0: come again rejoicing, knowing that the God of all creation loves us so much. And Lord, as we opened your word, we ask that you would open our hearts through your Holy Spirit that you would strengthen us, give us those things that we need today to to strengthen our walk and our testimony for you. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning the focus of my message will be from Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we would be actually starting with verse 11, 11 through 15. I'd like to read those verses now and then uh, jump around a little bit and then come back to them. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. In order to understand the scripture, we're going to have to drop back a little bit. and Actually, I want to do a quick look at, and, and go back about a month before this took place. Amazing things were going on in Jesus' ministry. About a month before this verse takes place that I just shared with you, His best friend, Lazarus, had died. And when I say best friend, it's implied by Scripture that a very close relationship. And Jesus was a a full day's journey away. And it says that He stayed even though He had heard they sent someone, His Lazarus' sisters, sent someone to Jesus to to tell him that Lazarus was ill, Jesus stayed another couple of days and then traveled the one more day. So making four days from the point that those people had left, a day's journey to get to Jesus, Jesus stayed around where he was for a couple of days and then a day for Jesus to get there. Understand that. And when Jesus had gotten there, what had he discovered but that Lazarus was already dead, already in the tomb, and he had been dead for four days. When those men who came with the news of Lazarus being sick came and by the time they got to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. Jesus didn't rush to go heal him because Jesus knew what was going on and he also knew what was going to happen. It's important to note Lazarus was four days dead. This took it out of the realm of, of any of the uh, ways of looking at death and soul and how long the Spirit stays with the body that many people could believe. you know. And one of the beliefs was up to three days the Spirit would stay with the body. Four days He's gone. It's important. Jesus, four days, because there's no doubt about this. The body has started to composed. In fact, that's what they tell him when he says open the, the, the tomb for Lazarus. What does Lazarus say? Or Jesus say? Lazarus come forth. Just simple, clear phrase. Lazarus come forth. And it says that He was immediately at the the, the opening of the tomb, still wrapped in his grave clothes. But he was standing there. An amazing miracle. Lazarus was alive. This was so amazing that everybody was talking about it. So amazing that many of the skeptics at that point uh, that had been listening to Jesus' teaching said, no, this is real. And they began to believe. This really upset the, 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 the Pharisees and, and the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the Jewish people because this was increasing Jesus' following substantially, rapidly. And so they planned all the more after this miracle of how they could find a way and a time to put Jesus to death. Very specifically says this. In John chapter 11. They were looking for a way to do this. So a plot in John 11 verses 45 through 55 right in that area. A plot to kill Jesus. Now keep that in mind. Now we jump ahead. Just a week before the Passover. Week and a half before the scripture that we read already took place. A day before the triumphant entry, as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, what we traditionally call Palm Sunday, which we celebrated last Sunday. And again, we read in the Gospel of John, this time in chapter 12, that the people were extremely excited about Jesus coming. They'd heard about everything, but especially because of the raising of Lazarus. This so upset the Jewish leadership that now not only were they plotting to kill Jesus, but it says very clearly in John uh, uh, that, that they were going to, now they were going to plot to kill even Lazarus. Because of what Jesus had done. If they could get rid of Lazarus, they would put this thing to rest. If they could get rid of Jesus, they would put this thing to rest. And it would be over. We wouldn't have to worry about everything that seems to be upsetting our world in the way that these leaders were looking at it. And then we have the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. People just exuberantly excited Hosanna, Hosanna. Here comes the, the, the son of David, the king. And of course, they were thinking, Jesus in, Roman out. This was what their plan was, their hope was. They were ready to crown Him king. And Jesus actually made a statement that most of them caught very clearly. He came in riding on the colt of a donkey. and Never been ridden before which was a prophetic fulfillment of something written hundreds of years before the event. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, says your king is coming riding on a colt. A few days later, we come to the last supper. And then the garden of Gethsemane. For Jesus cries out three times to the Father that if there would be any way that He not drink the cup, that the cup could pass from Him. and He didn't even finish the statement. He didn't say, I hope we can find it. He just said, if there would be any way but knowing what was ahead, He said, but not My will. Your will be done. cup, by the way, is the cup of wrath that Jesus was referring to. The wrath that falls on sin. That causes all who have sinned to die, to perish, to be separated from God. This is what He said He would have removed if it was possible. The cup of wrath. He never said anything about removing the cross. The cup of wrath. And then in the garden, his arrest. Then he stood before the, the, the high priests. And they referred him to Pilate. And they stood before Pilate. And Pilate sent him to Herod. And then Herod sent him back to Pilate. And all of these different places, he was tried, he was beaten. And finally Pilate says, you know, I find no wrong in him. And they said, crucify him. And so Pilate figures, maybe I've got an out here. And he scourges him with uh, the cat of nine tails. A merciless whipping and and, and tearing of the flesh. The majority by far and away of of men who experienced this punishment died. Not necessarily that day, but with infection and a lot of other things that would set in. Very few of them ever survived. Pilate brings him and says, Behold the man, and, and, and they still cried out to Christ. He says, I know. I'll, I'll bring out Barabbas, because and we'll, and, 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 I have to. This is the tradition that he was locked into. I have to get somebody out of prison out of, uh, that's a Jewish person out of prison on Passover. So he put Barabbas and Jesus, and he says, Now they'll take Jesus. And instead, the high priests and, and, the, and the, the scribes and everything had moved amongst the crowd, prompting them to cry out, Barabbas. Barabbas crucified Jesus. Finally, Pilate relents, sentences Jesus to death on the cross. The cross, Jesus carries as far as he can, but you've got to figure he's been up for a Tremendous amount of time. He's been beaten. And scourged already a tremendous loss of blood. Weakened. He stumbles. And they draft someone out of the crowd. And have him carry the cross for Jesus. And up to the hill of Golgotha. They go. On the cross. Jesus. Jesus hangs, darkness covers the earth as judgment falls on him and Jesus literally, completely drinks the cup of wrath. Finally, he says, it is finished. bows his head and he says, Father, to you, I commend my spirit. And he died. Just before the sun set, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea comes and and asks Pilate for the body of Jesus to be able to take it off the cross and to, to bury it, to bury the body, to bury Jesus. And it's interesting because Joseph of Arimathea was one of the council. He wasn't consulted, we don't believe, in the reference to his, his crucifixion, his death. But he, he was one of the leaders, and here he was. He says, I will bury him. I will take charge of this. And not only did he take charge, but Pilate giving him permission, Joseph buried Jesus in his... Joseph's own tomb that had been built for him. He was a rich man. And isn't it interesting, Isaiah 53 said that instead of being buried with the criminals, which was the tradition of somebody on the cross, he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Written hundreds of years before the event. And as far as the Romans were concerned, as far as the Jewish leadership was concerned, for that matter, as far as the people were concerned, and quite candidly, as far as the disciples were concerned, the end it was over. Everything that they had been looking for, everything they'd been hoping for, was gone. No longer in reach. The disciples were hiding. It says very clearly that they were staying in the upper room and and with locked doors for fear that the Romans would come after them. Good Friday, this last Friday, we spent time looking at what was accomplished on the cross. Why was it necessary? What did Christ do there? What was happening? What His death accomplished. His words, it is finished. God was was the, 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 the thing that He stated that He did. When he, died, he, he literally died at that point was that He vindicated, if you will, God's holiness and righteousness. What a strange thing to think about. God's holiness and righteousness is vindicated when Jesus says it is finished. But you see, Scripture has made it clear that God hates sin. God made it clear through scripture that he must judge sin because he is holy and righteous. He has no choice. People say, "But he's he, he's all-powerful. He can do anything." Can God lie? If he lies, he's no longer God. You see, there are self-imposed limitations. And one of them is, is that he has to judge sin. He has said that from the beginning and he has to pour out the wrath that sin deserves which is to perish to be separated from God forever. That is the penalty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Frequently quoted scriptures of the book of Romans. But when Jesus said it is finished, He had taken upon Himself the full wrath. The full judgment. Resulting in the the fact that God is now satisfied as far as His holiness, His righteousness, since been judged. And He set it up in such a way that was before the foundation of the world that John 3.16 would become clear. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How do we know that God's plan to save man, this plan that was before the foundation of the world put into effect it tells us in Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians uh, speaks of it uh, and you know before the foundation Ephesians chapter one speaks of it how do we know the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb? Sin was taken care of on the cross but the proof that it was taken care of, And the promises that Jesus made for all of us for the future were borne out in His bodily resurrection in the empty tomb. Perfect time for the bells. We shared this, and many have heard the sermon. Uh, If you haven't, it's worth listening to. It's Friday, but but Sunday's coming. You see, the disciples, when it was Friday, they were hiding, but Sunday was coming. What was Sunday? The resurrection, the empty tomb. So now it's Sunday. This day in the season of Passover. where we're looking now at the empty tomb. Matthew chapter 28, the first few verses tell us what started with the day. After the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the, the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone that sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They were frozen in their tracks. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and and said, Greetings! And they came up and they took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell My brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see Me. And then that picks up with the Scriptures where I started this morning. While they were going, the women were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city, Jerusalem, and told the chief priests all that had taken place. While the women were that had been at the tomb were running into the city to go and tell the disciples, some of the guard, important phrase, we'll get back to it in a minute, some of the guard now are aware of what's happened. They're in deep trouble. The Roman guard was assigned to guard the tomb. The body is missing. The stone is rolled away. And they didn't run to their their centurion uh, you might call him the the watch of the day (laughs) they didn't run there they ran to the high priest (laughs) so now what do we do we're in trouble let us tell you what has happened it says they told them all that had happened what had they seen they saw an empty they felt the earthquake they saw an empty tomb they saw the soul and they saw the angels and that's what I'm sure, it says, all that they had seen. I'm sure that's exactly what they relayed to the high priest. Now, when they, the, the high priest, had assembled with the elders, which would mean some members of the Sanhedrin, the ruling group of the Hebrew people, they took counsel together. Which means they debated among themselves, what do we do now? These soldiers have just shared this with us. I'm sure these soldiers were trembling as they shared it. And it's like, okay, now what do we do? And they talked about it. They took counsel together. It means they, they deliberated back and forth together about it. And they came to this conclusion. They gave to the soldiers, to the guards, a sufficient sum of money. Now, sufficient means large enough to cover the need. Sufficient sum of money. They bribed the guards. They gave them enough money that they could win them over to go and tell whatever it is that they wanted them to. That the elders and the, the priests wanted them to. They gave them sufficient sum of money. Why? To tell the people this. Verse 13. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, came in the night and stole the body. While we were asleep. By the way, that could bring an automatic death penalty. To the Roman soldiers. You see, they had been chosen. Go back into Matthew chapter 27. You'll read that they had been called specifically to guard the tomb. The high priest, you see, went to Pilate. And they said, you know what? This Jesus that's dead, buried, at Joseph of, of, of Arimathea's tomb now. He said something about being raised in three days. It'd be a terrible thing if the, if they came and stole the body. So let's seal the tomb and put some guards in front of it, basically. And the pilot says, "Sure, okay." And he gave him a, a group of uh, a, a watch. Somebody says, "How many is that?" Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Go online, you'll get anywhere from four to thirty to sixty to twenty to sixteen. You know, the bottom line is is that we know that some of them. Went into Jerusalem, and that means some of them stayed by the tomb. So there's at least a few, you know, four, five, six at least. But normally you're looking at around 16. Four men at a watch, three hour watch, while the others get to rest. And they weren't on the other side of, 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 of you know, 100 yards away, they were around the tomb. they're looking at this and saying, you know, say that we're asleep. We're in trouble. You know, if we do that, we're in serious trouble. So they added, don't worry about that. We, the chief priests and the elders, will satisfy him, Pilate. We'll keep you out of trouble. Two things about Pilate that we know. Pilate was was more than willing to take bribes. And... He was really anxious to be washed of this whole thing. They knew they could manipulate him and protect these guys. So he says, just pass this story out that the disciples came in the night, steal, stole the body while we were asleep. Soldiers took the money. Verse 14 says they took the money and they did as they were directed. And I put in my own parentheses, they must have done a good job Meaning that here, 30 years, Matthew, 30 years later, the story is still being shared by the Jews as to what happened. There are a lot of other attempts to, to, to try to explain away the resurrection other than the stolen body. I'm not going to go into all of them, but I will tell you that my issue because, uh, in becoming a Christian was centered around the resurrection. I could not figure out why intelligent people would believe in a bodily, physical resurrection. It must have been something else. I can remember in high school, my, my dad sharing with me the book, The Passover Plot. And it was all about how the, this whole thing was a, a scheme and a deception and that Jesus was drugged and, 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 and the, the disciples showed up and revived him and, and, and the, the rumor went out that you know, he died on the cross and now he's alive. And there was a whole plot to deceive anybody and everybody they could. Why would they do that? Well, to become famous and wealthy. Well, some of these guys became famous, but none of them became wealthy. And all of but one died a martyr's death. And even John, who died a natural death, went through attempted executions. If you believe in all the tradition that goes around that, but certainly a long stay on the island of Patmos, imprisoned. Not one of them ever recanted. But you see, if it was a if it was a plot, you know, then. You would need still to deal with a professional set of guards to get the body from the tomb. People just keep bypassing that issue. The guards outside that tomb. They were all asleep. Do you know what it takes? You know The noise it makes to, to roll a big stone across another rock face in order to open up one of those rock-sealed tombs? But they slept the reviving of Jesus and the bringing Him out. Do you think he, Jesus came out just ready to trot? He'd been scourged. He had all the loss of blood. Everything that had happened to Him on the cross, He was near death. They would have to carry Him and not quickly. At some point, the guards would have woken up. They must have. Somebody must have woken up. Why? Because they said, we saw them steal the body. Yeah. They would have... Run after them. I'm sure they couldn't run as fast as the men carrying a body near dead, though. A lot of sarcasm there, but you know, there's so many of these things that, that just don't make sense. The swoon theory, parallel to that, that Jesus simply swooned on the cross and in the dampness of the tomb revived Him. He rolled away the stone Himself and, and snuck away. The hallucination theory. Everybody that saw Jesus was hallucinating. And it goes on. The wrong tomb theory. The disciples got the wrong tomb, and when they looked in, sure enough, it was empty. Do you think the Romans and the Jews would have allowed that to slip by? They would have said, wait a minute, here's the real tomb, let's look inside. Oh, there's the body. The best one is the one that can leave the body in the tomb and say spiritual resurrection, just the resurrection of Jesus' teachings. But the problem is that all of these tend to leave, I just mentioned these last few, leave the body in the tomb. Once again, the Jewish leadership and the Roman leadership, once they heard Jesus is raised, they would have been able to quench it instantly. How? By going to the tomb and revealing the body of Christ. Why so many attempts to explain away the resurrection? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You see, the resurrection, by the way, the word futile means empty, without profit, without value, worthless, in vain. You see, the resurrection is what substantiates the claim that it is finished on the cross. It's what gives us the clear picture that Jesus can deliver what He's promised. Eternal life. And you see, if the bodily resurrection of Christ is real, then God's plan to save man was real and it worked. And if that's true, then it requires a response. And in general, what we have is if this all really happened, then the Word of God is true. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. His tomb is empty because He is risen. He is alive. John three sixteen is validated. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish. And it says whosoever, which here comes the response. Romans chapter 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I just want to leave with you today, the world doesn't want to see an empty tomb. And the reason they don't want to see it Is because they don't want to deal with the possibility that Jesus indeed is who He says He is. They'd rather have Him be just a good teacher or a radical teacher or a rebel, something else, and they'll teach all sorts of things about Him. But when you deal with the empty tomb and the bodily resurrection of Christ, now you have to deal. He died on the cross. By the way, The soldiers putting him to death were professional executioners. They know a dead body. (laughs) okay. Paul makes it simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. We see all of this reflected, interestingly enough, in communion when we share it together. Symbolic picture of Christ's sacrifice on the cross to pay our debt to sin and make us right with God, a holy and just God who must judge sin but has done so for all who believe through Jesus Christ, His death. It is finished on the cross once and for all. I have invited uh, Steve Schlerf to come and lead us in communion this morning. And while we are doing the communion song and while the communion is being passed out, I want to offer to anybody that's here who is uh, having a difficult time in their relationship with Jesus Christ or maybe you've never accepted the Lord. Maybe you've accepted the Lord but, but have drifted away. If you would like to come and have prayer this morning while we're passing the communion out, feel free to come forward and, and uh, I'll be glad to pray with you. Uh, or if you can't do it that way, see me after the service for sure. Steve?